0: Welcome to Making Bank, the show for Bankless DAO by Bankless DAO, where each week we highlight a project and a personality from inside the Bankless DAO. We want to showcase the work that we do and the people who do it. This is our story as we journey to become more bankless. If you want to learn more about what it is that we do, then just keep listening. We hope you enjoy today's episode of Making Bank hi i'm drost and welcome to another episode of making bank today's guest is Jerris james Jerris joined bankless dao at the beginning of december 2021 he first got into crypto early last year and spends much of his time researching new projects and networking with other crypto enthusiasts he is involved with a number of projects and guilds within bankless dao and he's heavily involved in dow relationships and he is the outreach lead for the governator project He is also involved with several other DAOs. He is an operator at Wildfire DAO and a growth advisor at NodeStar DAO. Welcome, Jairus. It's a delight to have you on Making Bank.
1: Yeah, I'm really excited to be here. Been listening to a few Making Bank pods and I'm thrilled to have my own episode.
0: That's great. You're involved in quite a few things here. Man, uh, the way I first got introduced to you is when you first started hosting AMAs in the Discord. But maybe before we jump into that, you had mentioned and we had chatted a little bit about your interest in research. That's really how you came into the DAO, where you've already had maybe some background in research or what brought you into this space in the first place? What kind of tickled your interest there?
1: I don't have any formal background in research. The way that I got into crypto, the world of investing really was through Wall Street bets and the notorious short squeeze at GME. That's what brought me into this space. Like I, I took some financial courses at the University of Bridgeport. Around 2018, I took a first year seminar in business as an elective in my junior year. And uh, me and the professor, we had a good relationship. I, I excelled in that class, even though it was an elective, I, I, my focus wasn't necessarily on becoming an investor one day, but that was the first time I was exposed to looking at stock options. And it was just, it was really cool, but I figured that I didn't have enough money at the time to really to really join the market, to really get into trading. I figured I wanted to be an entrepreneur, start my own business, and then eventually invest. But then a few years later in 2021, I'm scrolling through the channels, I'm just scrolling through, just watching TV. I'm just flipping through the channels and I see Bloomberg is talking about GameStop. I'm like, let me see what they're talking about. And they're talking about the short squeeze. They mentioned in the whole situation with Reddit and Wall Street Bets. And this, at this time, this is the first time I've heard of Wall Street Bets. And they mentioned how the stock price went from roughly $4 to around $400. So I was like, well, you don't have to be a mathematician and know that's a huge return, right? That's 100x. And then I was like, okay, don't need a whole lot of money, like I think, to actually capitalize on this situation. So I waited for GameStop to draw back. I waited for a pullback. That was the first time I ever purchased a stock, which was in February 2020. I wanted to buy it initially when GameStop reached like $100, but with a centralized exchange, it takes a few days for your bank account and everything to be integrated with the website. And I use Webull, by the way, that was the app I downloaded. And uh, after those three days passed to have my bank account added to the platform, the price was actually $49. So I was able to get in at a much better price. So I got some GME. And then that's when I subscribed to the Wall Street Bets Reddit and saw that they were talking about AMC next. So I got in at AMC at $9. And then... As I was exposed to these volatile assets, I wanted more exposure. So my first time I purchased a stock, the price skyrocketed once again after that. So my first experience was a moonshot. My very first experience in investing was a moonshot. So I I was like, I heard of crypto, but I didn't know much about it in 2021. And then I came across a video of a bankless. It was a bankless. It was David Hoffman, Ryan Sean Adams, and they were interviewing Mark Cuban. I didn't know who Bankless was, but the reason why I clicked the video is because I'm familiar with Mark Cuban. When I was studying to be an entrepreneur, he was somebody that I really looked up to and I learned a lot just by watching his documentaries. But it was really cool to see him speaking with David and Ryan about uh, decentralization, NFTs. Uh, yeah, the whole conversation was pretty much around NFTs. And then that's what really made me want to stay in crypto. So I pretty much stopped dealing with stocks at that time and focused fully on crypto and subscribed to the um, newsletter. And then, yeah, that that's what led me down the rabbit hole. And then it was just, I was just focused 100% on crypto ever since. That my first time watching Bankless.
0: I always like to ask people you know, what their entry was and what their point of view is, because we all come at this from a different background and a different entry point. And I, when you first started talking and talking about Reddit and Wall Street bets and all that whole thing with GameStop in that last year, I remember that too. And I wouldn't say I'm an expert or anything, but it's not something I would typically get involved in, to be perfectly honest, because it was super. Super speculative and trying to play the volatility as a dangerous thing to do. I just wanted to point that out because the show is not financial advice. We are not financial advisors. This is just giving a little bit of background on how you came into this space. Anyway, it's interesting that you mentioned the Mark Cuban episode of Bankless because that is one of those first episodes that I had started listening to. And that is actually between Mark Cuban and then they had one of the, I believe the one of the SEC commissioner, Hester Pierce, Hester Pierce, she came on as well. And I'm like, wow, they're getting these heavy hitters on this show. And then that that added credibility for me. But I wanted to get back to you had started out checking out the GameStop thing and then those wild swings and Wall Street bets that was in the news probably late first quarter 2021. And that's really more just riding wave as opposed to doing any research. And then mm-hmm. what's interesting to me is you shifted your attention and your approach, right? And you yep. started digging into things pretty deeply to really understand why things are happening, what's going on with these price movements, what are the assets I'm actually looking at? Do they have value? And what kind of approach do I want to take in this space? Do I want to ride the roller coaster or am I looking for some kind of a longer term thesis that drives my decision making? Is that a fair way to characterize your journey a little bit or am I overlaying my own thesis on top of that? No, I would say
1: that it's fair. Yeah, because when I first got into investing, yeah, it wasn't really too much fundamental analysis involved sentiment analysis yes cuz I was checking out what was going on Reddit seeing what the communities are saying about these very very speculative high risk trades these high risk assets but I was very interested in research on crypto because it was a whole new world to me so the research it, it was a lot of fun like it didn't really feel like fundamental analysis really it just it was just like I'm in a whole new territory, it's a whole new, this bleeding edge technology that I just just had a thirst for learning. Like I really wanted to learn more and more about this industry. And what really my biggest takeaway from that episode with Bankless and Mark Cuban, that was the first time I ever heard of an NFT. So then I started doing some research and it was actually applicable because at the time before investing in GME or AMC, my focus was being a designer. During my senior year of college, I started my own clothing line. It was a drop shipping clothing line, but I gave myself a task. I, I grew up out of that though, because that clothing line was focused on streetwear. And then next year, like around 2020, I decided I wanted to focus on high end fashion. And then I was focusing more, so I was studying a lot of legendary artists like Salvador Dali and then like some minimalism and architects like Frank Gehry, just people that were um, surreal. But I liked surrealism and I liked minimalism. Like I looked at fashion as art. So anyway, like to wrap this up, I gave myself a challenge of creating my own typeface. I, I wanted to have a typeface that I wanted it to be minimal. So I, I wanted the brand to just say Jerris James. And I just wanted my own font face, yeah, my own typeface. Nice. So I started researching like how to create a font. And it took a much longer than I expected. I thought I'd be done in like a week. It ended up taking four months to create this <laughs> typeface. So it's very technical. It's called letting and kerning. And that's like the actual space in between letters and like how the letters is structured. So I made all of my characters. But then when you actually type them out, it was like smashed together. If you put like a bracket and then like a letter clashed with it, like L's yeah. and stuff like that, it'll smash together. So I had to like, it was it's very a combination
0: uh, of math and art.
1: Right. Yeah. Yeah, most. Yeah, I
0: I had a uh, instructor. who was really into typography. Yeah, you you would really dig talking to him. But yeah, you get in, you go down the rabbit hole on any topic. It doesn't have to be crypto. It's looking at typefaces, and here it is. You think you're (laughs) going to spend a week on it, and it's four months later.
1: Yeah, eventually I created. It was 24 fonts because typeface. So it's 24 fonts in the font family. Thanks. And then. So are you
0: using it at all? Or does it exist? Um, I have
1: used it. Yeah, it's actually the first font that was minted on Rarible. Oh, but,
0: yeah. Um,
1: yeah, but before I get into that, like when I was in the midst of creating this font, like when I was like almost done, I was thinking of which marketplace am I going to go with? And then most of the marketplaces, yeah, <laughs> just about all of the centralized font marketplaces, they take a hefty commission. They take like a 40% cut, I believe. And then after you make a certain wow. amount of sales, if you're selling a digital item, you're going to have to, even if it is a digital item, like you still have to charge taxes and everything, set up a Nexus account with your state. And then it was just like, well,
0: it you takes know, all disincentivized. The fun out of
1: disincentivized. Yeah, it takes all the fun out of it. And I was like, damn, I'm spending all this time on this fine just to pretty much make half of the sales and then I was so thankful that I came across that video of Bankless and Mark Cuban discussing NFTs because then I just had that light bulb idea like why don't I just make this font an NFT because like the discussion in that video like what I got out of it was like anything digital can be an NFT and now even physical items can become NFTs as well yeah so I understood like digital art uh, you can actually sell it because you can actually verify ownership. So I was like, why don't I just do that with my font? And then, yeah, so crypto in the beginning, it was just like, I was able to apply it. And I just saw how it's it's going to change the world because it's just gonna change the system. It's gonna change how business is done. It's just better, it's more efficient.
0: Yeah, well, let you start yeah you start looking at these different components and all of a sudden one day the, the light bulb goes on right and you can see how all this all these components can apply to the things you're interested in and, and again the ownership and being able to take control of, of all of that super exciting what struck me about the mark cuban episode was that he actually gets his he rolls up his sleeves and gets his hands dirty and i don't know how much of that he actually has time for to really dig in but he's one of those guys that doesn't just rely on other people to tell him how things work and that's always been a key thing that ryan and david uh, have talked about on the main uh, bankless hq podcast which is you got to get in there and try these things to understand how they work find your gaps in knowledge and see how things fit together and yeah you learn real quick when when there's money involved did you want to maybe talk about a couple of the other DAOs that you're involved with did you want to touch on either node star or wildfire and then i don't know if this is a typo or not is it Truts or trust outreach man. it's actually truts yeah, Truts. Yes, it is truts what yeah
1: is truts is a DAO discovery platform so you know how if you want to discover a new DAO, google search really isn't optimal for that it's not really like a lot of like like the i don't think like the seo is set up in a way to really give you some good results to to find uh to find DAOs in the space so most people use twitter but this is a platform specific for people to find new DAOs in the space, for people to leave reviews, so you can actually have some type of sentiment analysis before joining a DAO. Because it's like a lot of DAOs that I've joined from word of mouth, but I'll, it would have been nice to actually have some insight before joining a DAO and dedicating so much time to it. So we have now, the, it was just created two, three weeks ago. Oh, wow. And, I didn't know. Yeah, and it was created by my friend Raj Karya. I met him when I was contributing over at WGMI. It was for a workshop, like, I was setting up workshops over there, and it was on a project called BIP, Build in Public, which is basically like Notion on steroids.
0: Yeah, familiar with BIP. Yeah, I haven't used it much, but yeah, I'm exploring those tools.
1: Yeah, so. We really hit it off when we did that workshop. He was a really cool guy. I really liked the the project, BIP. And then I just started talking about it and getting people using it and invited to. I thought it would have been able for Bankless DAO because we have a lot of projects and people contributing and contributing to the notion. And when you contribute on a notion and leave all of these remarks and everything, nobody knows who posted it. But with Bip, it's integrated with Discord. So you just hover over the text and your profile picture and your username pops up. So I just figured it would be useful for Bankless DAO. And then me and Raj have just been talking a lot ever since. And then while he was creating Truts, he reached out to me to actually test out the platform and he gave me a demo before it was released. And then just recently, two weeks ago, he asked me to join a team, to become an outreach manager because he knows that through DAO relationships, I'm connected with a lot of DAOs. And I made a lot of connections through Bankless DAO. And so he figured I'd been a key candidate to be an outreach manager there. For now, people can leave reviews on Truts. Like you go on there, like Bankless DAO has six reviews right now. The most popular DAO um, that we had added to the platform was Colt DAO. And Colt DAO, they have 31 reviews. But anyway, the way I see it is Trutz is going to be the place to go when you want to discover a new DAO. And not only that, but it gets some more interesting metrics about a DAO and get some insight to their community health. And there's some more that's going to be added, but I can't give out too much alpha because some stuff that we're working on.
0: I get it. Mm -hmm. But this is already some alpha here. Yeah, that's a that's a fresh project. And there's I know there's some other DAO discovery Mm -hmm. platforms out there and they're all competing for the best use cases and stuff. But yeah, that sounds really, really interesting. That kind of ties in. It seems like there's a lot of overlap, which is great with the work that you're doing. They seem like they have a lot to do with each other. And that kind of leads me to I was looking at Wildfire DAO a bit. And just the quick summary of what this is, it is a meta governance initiative to connect and align community members from across the ecosystem, creating new squads to tackle token design, governance, coordination problems in an open and collaborative manner. So that's a mouthful again, but those are some topics that are really top of mind if you are in DAO space. So between that, this DAO discovery, and then the work that you're doing with DAO relationships, I think we wanna dig into DAO relationships in more detail on another episode. Salman, Salman needs a job, would love to get into a deeper conversation with you about that because I believe he's been involved quite a bit with DAO relationships as well.
1: And so I think that'd be a good
0: opportunity for you guys to do a deeper dive on that. But in a broader sense, to me, my first impression, second and third impression of you have been that you are a deeply thoughtful person and that you are a relationship man. You just are out there building relationships everywhere. And to me, that is super important in this space, any space really. And I think between dialationships and maybe explaining just a top line what relationships is and what the purpose there is. I don't know if the AMAs came first or the dialationship role or Your involvement there came first. Do you want to maybe touch on those pieces a bit?
1: For sure. Yeah. What you mentioned at the top of this is like a lot of the work that I do is overlapped and it's definitely by intent. The space is very interesting in that it's very easy to get involved in multiple projects, but I didn't want to wear too many hats or multiple hats. I really wanted to do one thing and that's outreach. So even though I contribute to various DAOs, I I, I have one role and that one role is outreach. And um, I would say that mindset was really formed when I did join DAO relationships. wasn't the first guild that I joined within Bankless DAO, though it was research. I joined there because I felt like the research guild was the easiest way for me to get acclimated to the DAO because everybody needs to do research. I could have joined design because that was my background, but I wanted to actually focus on finance. I gave myself an ultimatum in August when I actually learned how to trade. I said, I can either become the best trader I can be or the best designer I can be. So I decided I'm going to focus on trading and really understand finance and really understand this uh, crypto industry. But anyway, jumping back into giving you some more insight into relationships. So when I first joined Research Guild and my first task was a survey that was created by Saul Thorin. It was a DAO compensation survey. That was like one of the first tasks I had while I joined Bankless DAO. That was a task given to the research guild. And I had to reach out to people from different DAOs and get them to fill out this survey but while doing that i had to find all of these and mind you that like the dow space was brand new to me at the time i didn't know of much dow's other than bankless dow and constitution dow because of their headlines and stuff that they were doing made me want to join a dow with constitution dow wanted to uh,
0: to buy the u.s constitution
1: yeah Yeah. buy the U.S. constitution yeah that was huge that really and
0: then they were outbid yeah is that what happened
1: yeah they was outbid but um
0: just the fact that they were able... Wow, didn't they raise like $40 million or something? U.S. dollars?
1: Yeah, $47 million in like four, <laughs> days. four days. And I was like, wow, this DAO space is, is going to be huge. I just thought how... That was really cool that a lot of people could get together. It kind of reminded me of Wall Street Bets in a way, like that whole vibe a little bit, because it's just the community getting together to do something epic. So that's what really ultimately brought me into the DAO space. Yeah, so while I was doing that outreach for Research Guild, getting people to fill out these surveys, now I'm finding out all of these DAOs that exist and it was it was fun. It was fun. And I had to rely on Twitter to do that. I was finding these different DAOs and connecting with people and co founders and I'm talking to people like I knew like I entered a new level in my life when I started just doing that first task. And then I did some research on what other guilds are in Bankless DAO that I figured that I could be of service to especially that had coordinate browns. So I was looking at all of the different guilds and I figured dialationships seemed interesting. I didn't understand what it was all about. It was a new word for me. I get it as like dials and building relationships. I think we invented but, it, didn't we? Yeah, we invented it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm that, was invented that by Bankless
0: invented that term, Bankless
1: dials. Yeah, I believe Bankless Dow invented it and I believe the person that created it was Coach Viking.
0: Yes, it was Coach. Coach yeah, so
1: Viking. Big shout outs to Coach <laughs> Viking for creating that guild. Thank you, man. That's but, right. Um, he was
0: an early proponent of getting this interconnection between different DAOs and really mm-hmm. trying to figure out where we can work together. Yeah, yeah. He was definitely there an early catalyst for that. So big shout
1: out to right, Coach big Viking. Big shout out to Coach. Yeah, see, so when I joined DAO relationships, like joined some meetings, Coach Viking, he was still the guild coordinator during that time. Really good vibes. I just liked being there. Like, it was a lot of fun in those meetings. That's what I enjoyed the most was actually making connections with people from other DAOs because when, you know, my experience being an entrepreneur before joining the DAO space, like, I tried working with friends, I tried working with family. And that's not really, it wasn't a good, it wasn't the best experience. I'll put it like that. So a lot of me being an entrepreneur, I was alone. Like even learning how to invest, I wanted to get my friends investing. I was trying to get them to buy GME and AMC while the prices was really low. I was trying to get them into crypto. Nobody was interested. So in this space, I was like all alone in the beginning. And then once I joined the Dow, it was much different. So like I could reach out to people from different projects and we can collaborate and that's the most fun part is when you have two different DAOs that have that provide different services, but they can come together and create a huge service. Um, yeah, I like to fuse these DAOs together, if you will, and create something new, like you know, about the right connections. And, um, that's what my intent was for NodeStar DAO. Uh, we could get into that a little bit more, yeah.
0: Later. Yeah, touch on NodeStar. What is NodeStar?
1: Yeah, so NodeStar is an internet infrastructure acquisition DAO. Well, it started off really as an internet infrastructure DAO. Like they teach people how to become a miner or a validator. That was their intent. It's a startup, it's still a startup, but when I met them, they mentioned that it was their banner was like, what if you can own the web? It was like, have you ever thought about owning the internet? Let's decentralize the internet. They mentioned that in their bio about decentralizing the internet. I was, first, I was thinking, well, what does that look like? How is that possible? Then I started talking. Well, how did it happen? I followed them back, and then some of their tweets, like they they made some tweets about one day like acquiring data centers, and I just thought that was, <laughs> I thought that was really cool if a DAO could pull that off, and we joked like in that that they made about possibly owning a data center like a large one we joked around at acquiring AT&T one day but anyway I just thought it was a cool project like they have a really cool mission of let's actually decentralize the internet and let internet access be something that's determined by a DAO instead of just certain monopolies really that would caught my interest is that it was so disruptive and then the way we formed a relationship there was initially I wanted to bring them on for an AMA. I wanted to do an AMA with them, but they they didn't the AMA budget like the ask price was a little too high for them at the moment, especially with them being a brand new project just starting up. They're very ambitious. I noticed like their project it was very interesting, but Their marketing skills could be better. That's what I noticed. They didn't really have much engagement. And I felt like a project like this should have more engagement. So I was like, okay, what if I introduce you guys to, would you be interested in meeting Bankless Consulting and possibly setting up some marketing work done for you guys? I figured like they needed some help in that department. So I introduced them to Bankless Consulting. Yeah, so we can take the next steps in that initiative. Once again, though, they really they didn't have the funds. So, like, I didn't know, like, if they didn't just have the funds for that AMA or they just didn't have the funds altogether or, you know. Or if it so wasn't they,
0: part of the budget right now or whatever. Yeah.
1: yeah. So I just didn't know if that was just for AMAs. I did mention it was going to cost to receive some assistance from Bankless Consulting and Marketing Guild, but he was interested to meet them. And yeah, so I made that introduction, but I noticed an opportunity for me to become more involved with Old Star when I noticed that they, they couldn't afford a lot of these services was that I'll just start writing grants for them because I began writing grants for Crypto Sapiens, the podcast that spun out of Bankless Dow. And since I had experience writing a few grants. Did you write I, the Bitcoin
0: uh, grant for Crypto Sapiens? Yeah. Oh, yeah, because okay. the yeah, they got funded grant. this and they got some funding this round, this last yeah. year of 14, I believe.
1: I was so happy we got accepted for the GR14. We were supposed to be on GR13 because Humpty and I, uh, Humpty, the founder and the host of Crypto Sapiens. Yeah, we weren't really, very active on GitHub. So they looked at us as a, as a possible, like a Sybil attack. Yeah, they, yeah. We didn't get right. the first round and we had to file a complaint. And so they looked at it and it, they knew it was a solid project. They responded, but they just mentioned mention that. They were just concerned because neither one of us was active on GitHub. Sure. Like no, I it. get
0: that. I totally get that. I have a, I've had a GitHub account for quite some time, but I didn't even remember I had one. And yeah. then I, I actually created another one for this that ties in with everything I do here. But I'm not a developer, so I'm not going to do pull requests unless I'm editing a document. In documentation, I'm not writing code. If you're relying on somebody's GitHub pull requests, well, a lot of us would be excluded from this space. And right. actually, that kind of brings me to something you mentioned earlier about, and this is not anything... A knock against organizations that have some holes in their staffing i think in especially in in especially in computer stuff and internet web and and crypto especially it's a highly technical space and it's a lot of developers and engineering types right and but you got to get the word out and you have to build relationships you have to explain it in non-technical terms to people you have to give them use cases you have to build you have to do storytelling to explain why this is important and what it's useful for and all of that. And so people like you, people like me may not, and for me, I'll just fall on my own sword. I kind of have a broad brush view of the space, but, you know, if you ask me to write solidity code, well, Mm -hmm. don't wait for that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I feel you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know any I don't know any solidity either.
0: But anyway, yeah, so there's lots of opportunities around here and to me, a lot of I knew that when I chatted with you today that there'd be some bits of alpha in here. And getting in early on these high quality projects that have a huge potential but maybe they have some holes in their staffing or holes in the areas where you can add some value and jump in and say, "Look, hey, I really am into this project. I really like what you're doing." How can I help? These are my skill areas. And man, you're off to the races. And that's what you've done. Yeah,
1: yeah, for sure. Like crypto moves fast. And I was really inspired by a lot of the very huge movements. I really like projects that are disruptive. And that's what got me into the space. Like that GME short squeeze was disruptive. Constitution DAO wanted to own a copy of the Constitution. That was wild. That was disruptive. That was huge. And then Node Star DAO, they wanted to, they want to decentralize the internet. I think that's huge. That's major. Yeah. So that's why I wanted to be a part of that. But they definitely need help. They need a community. They need a larger community. But they have a very interesting mission. And not only is it interesting, but it's powerful. And it's something that I feel it definitely resonates with the ethos of crypto and I feel like if the marketing was done right it would attract a large team like it would tra- attract a large community to a node star so that's why I wanted to give them some marketing help and then after that um, I started writing grants for them and then the founder noticed like I, yeah I wrote that grant and then I introduced him to my friend Raj Karia once again the founder of Truts, and then he's also a uh, core contributor of Bip but yeah, so Raj Karia, he is also somebody that contributes to many DAOs. And one of them at the time was Questbook, and they help people get grant funding through Polygon. So since he was already my point of contact, I was already friends with him, introduced him to... The founding team of Nodestar, this was before I was on the team. I introduced them and then, yeah, he gave us the source for us to fill out a Polygon grant. And then I wrote the grant for them because it was like last minute when we had to fill it out. It was like I had to do it the day before it was due, the first grant I wrote for them. So the founder, he really appreciated that I've done that for them. So he asked me what position do I want on the team? He wanted to add me to the team. So I was like, add me as an advisor. And then in a few hours, I was on the website, my pictures on the website, and he had me to the white paper. So that was awesome. And then something that we did recently was I was able to get them a an AMA on Cult DAO. So that was cool. So the Cult DAO community is now aware of Star DAO. And that was cool. And was a lot of people that resonated with our mission. And I figured that since Cult they're radical about decentralization, I felt that they would up- Appreciate a project like this, or at least hear us out. And they did, they had us do an AMA. So, big shout outs to the people at Cold Dow. Shout outs to the founder, Mr. Amodulus. Shout outs to Artorius and the Guardians like Jeff, David Hoffman, Matt, and a few others. I like, know I'm missing out. There's a lot of them, but yeah, shout outs to the many at Cold Dow for just hearing us out. We didn't receive grant funding from Cold Dow, but we received a lot of love and some exposure. So, yeah, once again, I just want to shout them out and yeah, no star DAO. We're very ambitious. We plan on setting up a Moloch DAO sub DAO, which is basically it's going to be a, an SPV, right? A special purpose vehicle, and it's going to be set up as a Moloch DAO so people can have the option to rage quit if they want. This DAO is going to be used to acquire a data center in the near future. At least that's the goal. Is to All pull right. that off one day, but in order to pull this off, we're gonna need a strong community. We need more eyeballs on a project.
0: And this is Node Star that we're talking about. Node Star wanting to yes, acquire this a Yes, this is Node Center Star.
1: And yeah, to, and know. then that's what tied me into like what really made me want to make connections. I saw with Node Star Dell, it would make sense that they was to partner with Akash. I don't know if you're familiar with the Akash network.
0: Oh, just a name. I didn't even know if it was pronounced Akash or Akash. That's, that's how uninformed I am.
1: Yeah, I used to pronounce it a cash too. Yeah, until I was corrected a few times. But yeah, it's a cash. It's a decentralized network. It's a uh, decentralized cloud. That's what it is. And most of crypto right now, even though we talk about DeFi and decentralization, most of crypto is actually hosted on Amazon Web Services. So
0: yeah, I was gonna say it's on AWS. <laughs> yeah, it's on AWS. on AWS. So. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so it's not, it got me thinking, DApp's not truly a DApp then. like it's not truly decentralized if it's on AWS. So then um, since NodeStar wants to decentralize the internet and then you got Akash over here, that's a decentralized cloud, it would make perfect sense for them to partner because NodeStar DAO is basically like a group of people that want to bring integrity to secure the network. More people operating nodes is better for various blockchains and then... As far as owning the infrastructure, and they want to decentralize the internet as a whole, where you're going to need a decentralized cloud as well. So I figured it would make sense for them to partner. We're not officially partnered with Akash yet, but that's something that's in the works. What gave me this idea of wanting to even form this partnership was that the founder of NoStarDAO, he reached out to me after I became an advisor, and he let me know that they wanted to create an app for people to cloud mine. I've mined crypto in the cloud before. I've used stuff like CryptoTab browser. And they make you think you're mining Bitcoin, but you're actually mining Monero and you get Bitcoin rewards. But it's very minimal. Like, you're lucky to make up like 25 cents a day, something like that. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, it's like very... No sp-
0: no Lambos on that.
1: No Lambos on that. <laughs> <And> so <laughs> the... Um, when the founder of node told me he wanted to make a cloud mining app and people could possibly make a dollar a day and i was like a dollar a day i get it like more people operating those people uh, mining crypto all of that is good for the network but
0: the incentive is well it has there has to be the value proposition right
1: Right. yeah the incentive wasn't there at least not for me like a dollar a day is not gonna cut it so i was like then i got to thinking So I've skipped over this story, like stuff that I, I was interested in when I first got into crypto. I skipped mentioning the metaverse. So when it comes to the metaverse, like that was a buzzword. I was really talked about the summer of 2021. And of course, I heard of Decentraland. And I watched some videos on it on YouTube, and I really wanted to play this game. I wanted to connect with, because mostly everybody that in this game is an investor. So I, I really wanted to have this experience and play this game on my laptop. But well, my laptop is kind of old. I purchased it in like 2013. So I'm like, the GPU isn't that powerful. I mean, prior to getting into the metaverse, I didn't know anything about GPUs. So 2021, I learned a lot. I probably learned the most of my life, ever in my life in 2021, just by getting into crypto. So I wanted to play Decentraland. Uh, I opened it on Google Chrome. It it doesn't like it, it doesn't load. Like it'll get to ninety percent and it was just frozen. I couldn't do anything. And then I tried it on Firefox. It the game would actually load, but it was so slow. It was very slow. I couldn't talk to any other users. I couldn't really have a full experience of the game. It was lagging, it was glitching. Painful. Yeah, it was painful. And then I was like, it got to be a way around this. So. You can find a lot of stuff on Reddit, <laughs> so I looked on you Reddit sure like
0: can. for better or for worse, yeah. right?
1: True, yeah. <laughs> but um, I looked up how can you play games on an old laptop, and then someone said you need a virtual machine. I was like, oh, a virtual machine! I never heard that before. I wanted, so I learned. I went to YouTube to search. Okay, how do you create a virtual machine? And then I see a video saying how you you can get a virtual machine for free. Of course, I click that one. Let's see what they're talking about. You could create an account on Microsoft Azure for free if you have a student ID. And I just recently graduated college. Okay, let me try this out. So I used my school ID. And you get a few hours for free. It'll say like 100 hours, but I don't know how they calculate that because I literally only have four hours.
0: Yeah, Microsoft Um, Azure is the competitor to AWS and they have these virtual environments. A lot of people don't know about it if they're not in that space. But yeah, as a student, you get access to tons of tools if you want to mess around with that. And then compute time on Azure.
1: Yes, I was able to spin up a a virtual machine for free. At least I had a few hours to enjoy it. But anyway, so I have this really old AMD with this uh, virtual machine. I had access to a brand new NVIDIA GPU. And then I was able to launch Decentraland and play the game. And it was fun. Like it was it was a smooth experience because I had this nice, super fast GPU. And that just blew my mind that you can have a computer like a whole other computer. It's a whole different operating system on your computer. So it's like you have two computers in one. I just thought that was really cool that that even existed because prior to wanting to play a game in the metaverse, I didn't even know anything about, I didn't know much about cloud computing and I Mm -hmm. didn't know anything about virtual machines. And then to go back into NodeStar, when he mentioned that he wants to create an app for people to cloud mine, I said, how about people could do that with a virtual machine? Because my laptop's not going to yield much with this old GPU doing proof of work mining. But if I used a powerful GPU, if I use someone else's GPU, or if I'm able to do this through a virtual machine, it'll be able to yield more. But then I was thinking, well, damn, what if you can take this concept and have a mining rig in the cloud? What if you can have access to a whole bunch of GPUs? So I proposed this idea because they also wanted to release their token soon. Um, we haven't released our token yet, but um, they mentioned, uh, yeah, they wanted to release their token. I was like, what if we do something, something groundbreaking, something huge, because I have just spoken to MoonDAO when the founder of NodeStar got in contact with me about these ideas. MoonDAO, they're sending their DAO contributors to the moon. They're going out of space. Literally. Yeah, literally. They was able to actually purchase two tickets for a trip to space on a Blue Origin rocket. I'm like, all these DAOs are doing these amazing things. We got oh, to do something I didn't huge that. too. That's cool. Yeah, they got connections to Blue Origin. But anyway, I was saying, all right, Constitution DAO, they did something major. Moondial, they're doing something major. Like we, we have these high ambitions. Why don't we do something major? Why don't we have, we launch a crowd fund to come up with the necessary funds to purchase a data center. And then whoever put the amount of the data center will be distributed as a fractionalized NFT. And I was looking at it, what if it was like a pass? Think of that fractional NFT as like a pass on the Akash network so that you can actually become a cloud provider on there with the infrastructure that you own. So instead of putting 10,000 into a DeFi protocol, you could put 10,000 into that acquisition and you get $10,000 worth of computer, like $10,000 worth of internet infrastructure that's within the data center. And then you can use that to cloud mine and make much more. So I was like, what if we create, like, what if we make mining, cloud mining in particular, cool? Because yeah. nobody So you're part
0: owner mining. of the network and then you're also using the network, so you're paying yourself in a way.
1: Basically. Yeah. So I was thinking of a way to make people like to if the math works. <laughs> yeah. To like maximize the efficiency of like cloud mining. Like how can we push cloud mining to its limits? And I was thinking that could be done with virtual machines. So I was able to at least speak to the founder of Akash. Through uh, Crypto Sapiens, I was able to host some Twitter Spaces Web three infrastructure on the Crypto Sapiens account, and one of the people that I reached out to was the founder of Akash, and we was able to speak. and He mentioned that's possible; you can do that with Akash. So that once I like, knew that, that was possible, I was like, let's go full steam ahead with this. We didn't raise the funds to purchase this data center yet, but that's something that's in the roadmap, though.
0: That brings me back to a large part of the role and roles you play is i feel like it's this connective tissue that brings together all of these people with different skill sets and components and interests and in particular this set of things that come together we're not there yet but Mm -hmm. you have you've hit upon a combination of things here that really drives your interest and you're able to bring together people that may not have met each other otherwise to work on a tough problem here that has some pretty exciting possibilities so To me, that's one of the other huge values in what you're doing with building all those relationships where either the tech or the people or the concept can work together and get to that next step to drive either adoption or build some new use case that we hadn't even thought of yet.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what I love about Web3 is that it's so composable. I love the composability of Web3 and that we're not necessarily all each other's competition. We can actually come together to do something huge. Like we can all come together and really, really change the way that damn near everything is done. Because like with that connection with NodeStar and Akash can be done through that is like NodeStar can get people together that wants to own the infrastructure. And then we can put all of that infrastructure on Akash network. And what that would do is scale out the decentralized cloud. So then more apps can be built on a decentralized cloud as opposed to AWS. But in order to do that, we have to make the decentralized cloud larger and bring more attention to it.
0: Sure. Well, hopefully we'll get people listening to this, if any of that resonates with them. Maybe we'll get more visibility on that and you'll get some more people connecting and wanting to explore it. And we can have some more conversations about it as well as this continues to develop. Hey, I did want to touch on something else that you're working on at Bankless Dow, And this also ties into new tools and helping with DAO governance and voting and all that kind of thing. And that is the Governator Project. And that is, I believe that's James Montgomery that's yep. a core contributor on that, or it might even be his project. Yeah,
1: he's the founder.
0: Thank you for clarifying that. You are involved in The governor, You're doing outreach with
1: that, mm-hmm. is my understanding. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So The Governator is a project that is automating DAO governance. And the way that it was sold to me was I was in a research meeting. They was looking for a researcher for this project. And that was the first time I got to meet Ivan. Ivan is a L2 contributor at Bankless DAO. He also works on the Governator Project, and they were looking for some people, well, some researchers to join, so they wanted to see if we were interested, and the way that he mentioned the Governator to me was that we're going to put the A in DAO, and that was it. That was enough for me. And They want to automate DAO governance, and the way that I pictured a DAO was I thought it was going to be more automated anyway, so I definitely wanted to help on this effort, and really cool team over there, like... It's a small team, it's a really it's a really cool team. So shout out to everybody that contributes to the Governator. Shout out to James Montgomery, of course, for being the founder there. Shout out to Ivan Stratford. Uh, I know I might be missing a few names, but yeah. And if it's, anyone it's wants really to cool.
0: learn more about that project, it is on forum.banklist.community and there's the Governator proposal there. I forget what date it was published. Feel free to take a look at that, add comments, and of course, go into the Discord channels if you're interested in getting more plugged into that project as well.
1: And then what the uh, governor plans to do is to increase uh, turnout and authenticity because the votes are going to be anonymous. So like when people see most people are voting one way, they're more inclined to just go with the crowd. Absolutely. yeah, so That was increased. even true
0: just in simple stuff, like you know, just using SESH to gauge simple sentiment on something. And then you see all the votes going one direction.
1: So, yeah, we want to increase voter turnout and improve voter authenticity so people can actually be true with their vote. And then more people will turn out, too, using the governator. So that's our intent
0: yeah great because that is a concern that's that was a concern even within bankless down we changed the threshold requirements because we were having a hard time getting enough consensus even on a widely supported initiative just because there weren't enough people engaged and whether it's for time or interest or knowledge i don't like to vote on things i don't know a lot about so if i can delegate my vote to somebody that i trust and who is knowledgeable then i and it's something i don't have time for i would rather do that than not vote and yeah enabling that increasing the participation i think that if we can do that in this space maybe we can do it in real life with addressing maybe voter apathy in that space so anyway that's that's Uh, that's exciting yeah yeah all right this has been quite a ride wide ranging conversation man we could dig into any of these topics and have a whole episode on it And so was there anything before we wrap this and we did cover a lot if there's something that maybe we didn't touch on that you wanted to make sure we cover? Yeah,
1: one one thing I would like to highlight is that I just recently created an engagement group in which I call The Click. And what we do is we boost each other's engagement metrics. Our focus is Twitter primarily right now. Um, We're a Telegram group right now, but very soon we're going to have our own Discord server And each channel is going to be niche-specific, and it's all going to be a token-gated. You're going to need a reputation-based NFT to get access to these specific channels. And each channel is just for engaging with people's Twitter accounts that, that falls within a certain niche. We can all boost our engagement metrics and help each other grow and scale out in this space. It's much easier to land deals and to make connections when your engagement looks right on Twitter. That's important. Yeah, and it's a lot of interesting people in this group, uh, the are one of them. But we got people that are founders of various projects in this space. You're either a founder or a core contributor of a, a solid project in Web3. That's how you can join. So right now, you can just hit me up. You can DM me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Yeah, just reach out to me and see if you're a good fit to be in the clique. Um, so that we can, yeah, boost each other's uh, Twitter likes for now. And then, uh, yeah, just support each other as we grow on Web3. And also, Mm -hmm. I encourage people of the click to actually do some cool things outside of just liking each other's posts.
0: Yeah, you were just plugged into so many things, and just uncovering Alpha at every turn here, and even here at the very end of the episode, talking about this click group. Now, I will say that I am not a big user of Telegram. I have an account, but I hadn't even... I had to update it because I hadn't even opened it in so long. So I appreciate you adding me to that group. And I haven't had a chance yet to circle back on it. So uh, I just want oh, to sorry.
1: point that out. Because I feel you. I don't really like Telegram that much either. I wanted to have it be a Discord group chat, but you're only able to have 10 people max in a Discord group chat. So I was like, all right, we'll start off on Telegram. But soon we're going to have a Discord server with some really nice NFTs. And then the NFTs, right, like... They're going to be, it's it's all game theory. So people are going to be rewarded if they're engaged more. And then the people that don't engage, they'll be punished. So like the people that don't engage, you can't take their NFT away from them, but they'll lose their access to the channel. So we want to make sure everyone is keep the the click, keep the group with high engagement. So that's something to look out for, but it's going to be really cool. These NFTs are going to look really nice and it's your uh, pass to be a click member. And a lot of uh, strategic partnerships will be formed here too. Every connection that I made, like all of the people that really stand out to me in this space, like I have them all in the click and it's just going to grow. Like the goal, like we're only about 40 members strong now, but the goal when we scale to a Discord server is to have 10,000 members max. And it's going to be like a a huge marketing machine.
0: I'm going to have to dig more into that. This has been really great. And I know we'll be chatting a lot more and we're probably going to have multiple people chatting with you because there's so many different projects here it's really fun stuff <laughs>
1: this is a lot of fun though like we could do a whole lot of these
0: we sure could and that was my message to Salman this morning he had written to me really early and I was just waking up and I saw the message and I'm like oh Salman wants to do an interview with Jairus and it's a little tight for rescheduling things this morning and I suggested to him I'm like I know that Jaris and I are going to have a ton of things to talk about, and there's going to be a number of things that I can't really dig into but I'm because I'm not that knowledgeable about it. So between those two things, let's do a couple episodes. And he was totally down for that. And yeah, we'll be chatting here shortly. In fact, I have a Making Bank meeting to get to right now, and I'm sure you have a busy day as well. And so again, thanks very much for coming on Making Bank and updating us on all the projects you're involved in, all the people you're connecting with.
1: Of course. Thank you for having me on. It was a pleasure. And yeah, looking forward to being on the show a few more times because we didn't even talk about Wildfire Dow yet. So we're going to mention that in a, a future episode. But yeah, once again, thank you for having me on, man. Great vibes and definitely looking forward to speaking on Making Bank once more.
0: Great. Thanks a lot, Jairus. And that's a wrap. Thanks for listening. This has been Making Bank, a production of Bankless Dow. If you'd like to learn more about Bankless DAO, please visit bankless.community on the web for more information on how to get started. And of course, if you like what we're doing, please like, subscribe, and follow on your favorite podcast platform.